Hallelujah. You know, I think, I think the Lord wants us to get something this morning. I don't know if you picked up on it. It's a rejoice in the Lord. You know, as we were singing that, as Mel started singing this song, as Psalms 46, verse 4 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in her midst. In the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning draws. The Word of God says that in uh, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe the Lord is wanting us. You know, we don't even have to do a show of our hands. But there are times that we just need strength. And we can get all solemn and we can get all serious and we can get all depressed about us needing strength. But the Bible's clear. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. He said rejoice in the Lord always. And what? Again, I say rejoice. He said every request that you bring, when you bring it, bring it with what? With thanksgiving, a form of rejoicing. So what is the Lord saying? See, here's the way we have joy. I had a professor in Bible college say this said, joy is this, Jesus, others, and yourself. But the key to that is not others and yourself. The key to that is Jesus. It has to begin with Jesus. You think, well, you don't know what I'm going through right now. That's okay. We can still have joy. And joy is not just, well, I'll hang on till Jesus comes. No. Joy, it means exuberance. When it talks about rejoicing the Lord, it means to when David, it says David danced before the Lord, it, he act clamorously. David lost his mind. So we have this idea in church that the joy of the Lord is supposed to, oh, I just have the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's that joy of the Lord that just keeps you when everything else has gone to pot. No, the joy of the Lord is that confident expectation. It's that hope, that confident expectation that says this. Look, and I'm telling you from experience, it doesn't matter what it looks like externally if I believe he's true. And if we don't believe he's true, then we're meeting for in vain. We could find something else to do with our time. We can go to the park. We can go to the beach. We can do something else. But if we believe his word is true, then at this place here, in this local assembly, we're not just gathering to fill time. My desire for you is not to take up two hours of your Sunday morning so that you can go do the rest of the day and have your religious time card punched. That's not my desire. My desire is that we can come in, even in the midst of struggle, and we can focus on Him and say, you know what? He's greater than whatever I'm facing. Amen. And I can have joy in that. Not I can make it through, praise Jesus, one day He'll come and rescue me. That's the problem in the church today. We have a rescue mentality. We're just waiting for Jesus to come and remove us from all of this mess. When he said, I've called you to be a light in a dark place. I just need Jesus to come rescue me. He said, no, if you'll stand in the joy of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I will and be glad in it. It doesn't matter what that day looks like. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and I'll be glad in it. I'm convinced of this. Your Christian life, you get out what you put in. Salvation is free. 
It's free. It didn't cost you a penny. It cost Jesus everything. It cost the Father, His Son. And we can get to the place where we just meet religiously because that's what good people do. But that's not what He died to have. He died to have a vibrant body in the earth today. Amen. He died to have a vibrant body. In so in that body, if, as we believe, not if, as we believe the Word of God is true, when we come together, we shouldn't come together just to get through the service so that we can go do our life like we do it. Does that make sense to anybody other than me? As we gather, we ought to come with an expectancy that I'm not, and we, let me, Mel said it so well. We don't come here to get God to show up. He lives with me. He lives in me. My body is the temple of the living God. It's not that I have to come here to get God. No, I get to come here to celebrate who He is in me and who He is in you. That's why it's important. It's Hebrews 10 says that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together because each one of us has a part to bring. If we stay in this mindset that I've got to go get something, then you don't ever have the mindset that I've got something that I'm bringing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. All right, I'm just going to ask. How many of you in here say, you know what? This week has been something. I really need the strength of the Lord. It says the joy of the Lord is my strength. I really need the strength of the Lord. There's a few of us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know what? He brought us here for that purpose, not to go through a religious rite where we just sing some songs. I'm telling you, God is wanting to do something in our midst today, not just today, every day, but today you're here with me. And where if you were just by yourself, maybe you would just let the thought pass and go on. But I'm telling you emphatically, God wants you to be awakened today to something new, a new way of living your life every day, not being moved by circumstances or situations, but saying, you know what, even in the midst of what doesn't look like what I want it to look like, I can still have the joy of the Lord and I can rejoice. Why? Because he is good and he loves me. As we were singing that, I didn't turn around intentionally. Because we were, singing, we were singing that one part, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. And here's what rose up on the inside of me, Josh. That's where most Christians keep it, and that's why the world don't know they're saved. Because it's down deep, deep, deep inside their heart, and they don't ever let their face know about it. They don't ever let anybody else know about it. It reminds me of one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. Was Droopy. For the younger generation, you have no idea who he is. It's this little dog. He had real long cheeks like this. He would say, I'm so happy. And his face always looked like this. I am so happy. And that's the way, I mean, listen, I'm not saying we got to come in here every Sunday and jump and shout and run circles. But what I'm saying is this if we've got joy, Jesus' love, his forgiveness, his grace, not based on my merit. If we've got that inside of who we are, it ought to make a difference. It doesn't matter if you faced hell all week, you don't have to face it in here. Because we're walking together. It doesn't matter what you face this way. It doesn't matter what lies the enemy's told you. You know what? You made it here to be sharpened, to be strengthened, to be encouraged with the brethren. That's why it's important that we gather together. Not so we come and do this thing that we do 
that we come believing that there's life in me and there's life in him. And when we come together, it ought to be like dynamite. It ought to be like the fuse getting stuck in the dynamite. Well, you're just trying to get us emotionally stirred up. No, I'm trying to get the body of Christ awakened to the hope that's on the inside of us. We talk about evangelism. I, I'm stirred up. I was an evangelist at Crusade Friday and Saturday night. We talk about evangelism, but I'm convinced that personal evangelism will take on a whole new favor if we allow the joy of the Lord to come out. And that doesn't mean we walk around the room all the time, ha, 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 It would do some of you good, but that's not what it means. What it means is I allow the truth of who he is to change the way I see the world that I live in. Even my current circumstances, I allow it. So in that, I will not be lulled into a, slu- a stupor because that's what I see in the church. That's what I'm stirred up against. And it's so easy just to be lulled into that stupor and say, well, I went to church. Praise the Lord. I, I told you last week, if you weren't here last week, you need to get a CD or download the MP3 because God gave some clarity and some direction for the church. And basically, he's what he asked me. He asked me a question standing right there. He said, will you do what I tell you to do no matter what it costs? I am not trying to offend or run anybody off, but I have determined I will not just do church anymore. My God is alive. And he's the same yesterday, day, and forever. And every time I read in my Bible, when he showed up on a scene, everything changed. Normal was not normal when Jesus showed up. As Mel said, he's here. I brought him with me. We don't have to come corporately together for Jesus to show up. Are you with me? But as we gather, there ought to be an expression Just like one flashlight walks in a room, if it's totally dark, that one flashlight makes a difference in that room, right? But if another flashlight walks in and another flashlight and another flashlight, how many of you know what happens? Huh? Can you track with me? Can you see the picture that every light that comes in changes the atmosphere in the room? And there'll be those who walk in who don't have a light. And you know why it's so important that our light shines? Because they can go... Man, I was in, they can just like, I'm in dark, I'm in light. I'm in dark, I'm in light. There's a difference. There's a difference in the light, Josh. There's a difference in the light, and we carry that light. He said, you are the light of the world. While he was here, he was the light, and he said, I'm leaving, so I'm placing that on the inside of you. And what I'm saying is, when that light is in us, it ought to affect how we look outwardly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, Yeah. Josh wants to share. I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what this day is going to look like. I know that Stephanie's got a word from the Lord that she's going to (laughs) share. She didn't know that till just now. And we're going to pray for the sick. Come on. We're going to pray for the sick. This morning, I was just spending time with the Lord. and, And as I was spending time with the Lord, the Lord, it just rose up in my heart. We're going to pray for the sick. And then on the way to church... Uh, ben texted me and he said, hey, what do you think about praying for the sick? I think that's the Lord. Come on. So we're going to pray for the sick. We got a test. I'm going to share. I'll let my mom share a testimony. She didn't know that either. See, we, I've been talking about this. Listen, I'm going to let Josh speak in just a minute. I've been talking about koinonia. This whole past few weeks that I've spoken, it's been about fellowship. 
It's been about koinonia. And koinonia means partnership. It means communion. It means community. It means everybody. Yeah, you can be seated if you want to, but you don't have to. If you want to stand up, you can. It means community. And what that means is everybody brings something. Are you with me? So here's what this morning as I was studying, here's what the Lord began to say to me. He said, we can teach and teach and teach about community. We can teach and teach and teach about partnership. About each person has a part to play. Or we can, ex- or we can demonstrate it. And so he began to just give me downloads of, about what that was going to look like today in this place. Because we can talk, each one of us has a part. But then if I don't ever, as the leader, if I don't ever give anyone else a chance to share their part, then how are we going to have community? Amen. Okay. So uh, he's talking about the joy of the Lord. And, and this, this week, uh, I told him, I came home Monday, and I was just like drained. It seemed like my workplace was just negative everything. All the people that I worked with were in bad moods. They were upset. Systems weren't working. There's just all this chaos. And uh, I came home, told him, and we talked about it for a little while. And she's like, well, why don't you just do something about it? Why don't you change it? And I said, what do we all say? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great, but how do I do that? And so I, I got online. Or actually, I had a meeting with my boss. Uh, she did my one-on-one, and I said, look, I, said, I just feel like it's just negative in here. I feel like we're just not not happy. Nobody, the morale's real low. I said, we just need to do something about it. She said, okay, do something about it. I give you full reign. Whatever you want to do, we'll do it. And I said, okay. So I got online and I started looking up different ways to not, not do the Christian thing. You know, I wanted it to be business appropriate, but bring the revelation that I have. So I said, all right, Lord, what can I do? How can I change it? And, and so I started looking, I Googled, you know, how to change morale in a business place, how to, how to increase positivity. And so I found this, um, this webpage and, uh, I was stoked. I started reading it, and it was uh, just how to have fun in the workplace and how to have a good time. And I was reading through it, and the main part that just knocked me out was there was a doctor who had done a research on uh, children and adults and laughing. And it said a child will laugh 400 times in one day, where an adult at the age of 35 will laugh 15 times in a day. And so I said, okay, Lord, how can, I, how can I do this? And I started reading a little bit more and reading a little bit more. And there was this 13 ways to have the, you know, the have fun at work. And I said, okay, Lord, what can I do? And so we came up with a joke board, and we put it in the back room. And it had to be clean jokes. It had to be stuff that was appropriate for work. But I went in the back, and I cut out all these little pictures with little sayings and things like that. A couple of them were like Duck Dynasty and whatnot. And so... I'm sitting at my desk. I have somebody in my office, and I hear all of these people in the back room laughing. And I look at, look at my lady, and she looks at me, and she goes, I wonder what's going on back there. And there's a lady that I work with who struggles with being happy. And I see her come out of her office, go to the back, go, what's going on? What's the party about? And then she starts laughing. And so there's this whole bunch of people in my back of our bank laughing. And throughout the day, they all started going and picking out pictures and, and sayings and stories and jokes and cartoons, all stuff. And so we have this big wall in the back that has all these jokes that made people laugh. And throughout that, my, my boss said, all right, you did really well with this. Let's keep it going. And so she said, we do a huddle in the mornings. And she said, you know, normally we just talk about numbers and what our focus is and whatever. She said, I just want you to have fun with it. So I went to Five Below and I bought all these little, I wanted to keep the, the laughing, joking, having a good time kind of 
atmosphere. So I went to Five Below and I bought all these little like, um, like little tricks, like visible ink and slinkies, just things that kids have fun with. And so this week and the next week, we're going to play games for 15 minutes in the morning. We're going to do like little prizes, have candy, all these things. And she's like, I don't know what you did, but this place is different. The people are happy. Morale is up. We're having fun and we're doing a great job. And so we've seen that happen with our employees, but we've also seen that happen with the people that come in. They've said, man, I just like coming in this branch. I go to the other (laughs) one, but I like going in this branch. Amen. That's awesome right there. You know, you know what that is? That's being a thermostat and not a thermometer. You know, most believers make good thermostats. They come in and they can tell you what's going on. Well, there's nobody around here happy. Duh. You know, I'll never forget, I was doing some leadership training and I was listening to uh, T.D. Jakes and he said this. He said, I told my leadership team, my elders. He said, don't ever come to me with a problem. I know about problems. He said, come to me with an answer. He said, anybody can point out a problem, but it takes a leader to find an answer. So he said, don't come to me with problems. Come to me with an answer. How much different would our lives look, even in the home, in the marriage, if we, instead of coming with the problem, we came with an answer or at least a solution or suggestion? See, here's where church gets uncomfortable because it gets real and it gets practical. We can't come in and do our thing and hear a good message that just encourages me but doesn't challenge me to be something that I wasn't when I walked in. And I'll just be honest, not everybody wants that. But that's what I'm passionate for. I'm passionate to raise up a people who goes into their environment and they change that environment. Amen. That's what our desire, that's what his desire for us is. You know, he birthed in us creativity. He birthed in us to be unique. I, I won't ever forget Tish, I, I don't remember who she said, who she quoted from. She said, God created you a voice, so don't be an echo. God created you a voice, so quit being an echo. Quit just saying what you hear or doing what you see and don't misunderstand that Paul said follow me as I follow Christ I'm not saying we shouldn't look at examples but we shouldn't try to be that person we should be who he's created us to be right that's who we should be Uh, Steph came up to me in worship she said the Lord is made and I'm just prophetically declaring this over us today said the Lord has made deposits on the inside of each of us and there's a birthing process going on even in worship he's birthing some things in us so if there's something that feels uncomfortable even if this service feels uncomfortable it's okay you know what from what I've seen uh, last week I had an EMT class in uh, at the fire department it was it it was about childbirth OBGYN I'm like oh I could have skipped this one but it's talking about delivering babies. And here's what I know. Every time that baby comes, Matthew even talks about it. There's birth pains. There's an urgency to push. There's an urgency to deliver. And that's not always comfortable. But life comes from it. Huh? Life comes from it. And that's what the Lord 
is desiring to come from us is life. It's life. So, uh, Steph, I'm going to ask you to come up and that you can just bring uh, what you sent me this morning. It's really good. She's, the Lord really put in her heart as she was praying this morning, Isaiah 43. And in Isaiah 43, it's where he says, say to the north, give up. To the south, uh, hold not back. I think I may butcher it. And if she reads it, it'll show me that I'm wrong. But, uh, and it's talking about speaking to the east and the west. And the Lord's just really been ministering to my heart. Again, just track with me a minute. Here, it's right here. It's on. My passion for you is to empower you to make a difference wherever you are. That each of us, every Sunday we come in, each of us, there's things that we bring in. And that's just life. I understand that. But what he's saying is, I want you to understand that you don't just bring in mess. You bring me in. And you bring me in you, and you're a unique expression of me. Are you with me? And if you don't carry that unique expression of me in that place, there's something missing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Especially 27 through 31. trying all right you go ahead I'll, I'll save that in my prayer time the Lord took me to Isaiah 43 1 through 7 as for each one of us and then 18 and 19 to declare for us personally um, 1 through 7 says but now in spite of past judgments for Israel's sins thus says the Lord he who created you O Jacob and he who formed you O Israel Fear not, for I have redeemed you, ransomed you by paying a price instead of leaving you captives. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned or scorched, nor will the flame kindle upon you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt to the Babylonians for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba, a province of Ethiopia, in exchange for your release. Gosh, he's speaking this over each one of us, guys. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and because I love you, I will give men in return for you and peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, where they are dispersed, and and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. The Lord is wanting us to declare that to this land. And my glory, wait a minute, I skipped down, hold on. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, whom I have made. That includes us. Yeah. Verse 18 and 19 says, Do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. (laughs) Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I will make a way. 
rivers in the desert. See, I, wow. See, when I look at you, I don't see attenders. I see people full of destiny. <laughs> I'm not that, I don't know, I don't, okay, I don't, Jesus used parables. I don't know why I'm on commercials now. I really don't watch TV, right? But some commercials just really stick out. And I think this one was a Geico commercial where Pinocchio is the motivational speaker. He says, I look around this room, and I see a room full of leaders. You're a leader. And his nose starts growing. And you're a leader. And his nose gets bigger. You know, Pinocchio wouldn't make it good. <laughs> Maybe I'm just comic relief. See, the joy of the Lord. Some of you needed to laugh, and you were listening, but you weren't connecting. You're a leader. Every one of you are leaders. <clears throat> I really believe that you're leaders. And what's sad is, and I think Jackie said this a few months ago. And our go, and, and go, she said, one of the things that Lord's called her to do is just get up next to people and get to know them and help them see who they are in his eyes. Because many people aren't witnesses. Many people aren't testimonies. Not because they don't love the Lord and they don't want to see people come to know the Lord. It's because they don't know they have anything to offer. I am not talking about blowing smoke. I am not talking about just trying to stir people up and emotionally get them aroused. What I'm talking about is declaring who Jesus says they are, that they're accepted. Ephesians 1, 6 says they're accepted in the beloved. That our, accept, our acceptance is not in how well we perform. Our acceptance is in what Jesus did on the cross. And in him we have accept. In him we are a body. We're part of his body on the earth. He's the head, we're the body, and every one of us has a vital part to play. But many come in and go out. They go to church, they get saved, and in many churches they're told you're just an old sinner saved by grace. So every day just get up and confess all your sins and just do your best to live for the Lord. That's not scriptural. I got an amen or two. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 2 Corinthians 5 says, I've become a new creation. Old things have passed away. He said, in that passage, what was so powerful, it's what the Lord has been speaking in my heart. He said, I'm doing a new thing. Have you noticed all we talked about wineskins and things like that? He said, I'm doing a new thing. And we are so afraid of the new thing, we hold on to the old thing. And he said, and, and he, I remember when uh, Donna was here, Don and BK guy, and we were in the old, old building, and she made the statement about inner healing, and she said, most people with inner healing won't get to that place. She said, we spend our lives like this. We'll have a good moment. We'll have a bad moment. We'll have a good moment. We'll have a bad moment. We'll have a good moment. We'll have a bad moment. And she said, but to be truly healed, you have to go to the depths of that bad moment and deal with it. But once you do, there's freedom on the other side of it. But most people won't go to those depths to deal with it because they're afraid. And what I've seen in my life is most people won't go to the depths to deal with it because as much as they hate this in life, as much as they hate it, it's familiar. It's familiar. It's not comfortable. They don't even like it, but it's familiar. And what do you mean familiar? They know this. Well, today's a good day. Well, tomorrow's stink. Y'all don't know anybody like that. I know. Y'all have never been like that. I know. You know, this is, I'm going to tell on Joyce. Wave at me, Joyce. 
I told Joyce, we were in here earlier, and Joyce was standing over here talking, and uh, she was t- talking to you, I think, wasn't she? She's talking to Kathy, and I'm standing back there, and I said, Joyce, when you get through, I want to I see you. And Joyce was talking to Kathy, she was not talking to Kathy, she went, <laughs> me? <laughs> me? I said, yeah, you. She said, oh. And she said, I get called to the principal's office. And I told her, I said, you know what? That's something the Lord has touched in me, is that we have a tendency to lean towards something bad instead of something good. Someone calls you and says, hey, I need to talk to you. Oh, no, what did I do? Instead of going, hey. And you know what? What if it is one of those, oh, no, I did something? You know what? It's still not who you are. It's what you did. That was better than what you called on to. It's not who you are. It's what you did. It, that's not your identity. But we have this mentality. It's, it's the, the sin. It's the fallen mindset. It's not our nature because if you're born again, you've got a new nature. It's that fallen mindset that says if somebody wants to see me, something must be wrong. Instead of saying, you know what? Maybe there was something wrong, but I can take light in this situation. Instead of getting up and saying, oh, it's Monday. Oh, glory. Here we go again. We start all over. You know, the Lord's had me focusing, well, not focusing, but just really meditating on heaven a lot. And I'm not in a hurry to get there. I know I'm going there. But he's had me focusing on the realities of heaven. Because he said, if you can set your heart on that and get stirred up in that, which you don't see and you only believe by faith, then it'll help you walk in this life that you're walking in right now because you know you're not living for this world. You're living for that one. Does that make sense? Because, but I am not here going, oh, God, come get me. Oh, God, come get me. If I get my eyes on heaven, I understand the realities of heaven that I'm going to be there forever And that here on earth, I can release heaven here. On earth, as it is in heaven. Isn't that what he prayed? He taught his disciples to pray. When they said, Lord, teach us. I was was, uh, reading this week uh, something from Bill Johnson. I think it was Bill Johnson. I was reading this week. I don't know who I was reading behind. Anyway, (laughs) I, I read too many things at one time. He made the statement that, I know who it was. It was Daniel Kalinda. And he's talking about prayer. He said, isn't it neat that the disciples didn't say, Jesus, teach us to preach like you did. They didn't say, teach us to cast out devils like you did, even though he had to teach them. They said, Lord, teach us what? To pray. Teach us, Lord, to know how to communicate like you do with the Father. How to fellowship like you do with the Father. God so desires that we don't just go through life doing a religious thing, that we live for him. And, and in that, there's, there's serving. Um, you know, my wife did an amazing job last week about just saying there's opportunities for us to serve in our kids' ministry and stuff like that. I just want to share a testimony. This week, uh, we, I was at the uh, Reinhard Bonnke crusade, and they had asked back in uh, last year, they had the first meeting about coming and things like that, and they uh, asked for church, each church to send volunteers and things like that. And our, our church is not that big, and we didn't have a lot of volunteers signed up, so I signed up to be an altar worker. 
couple of reasons. Not just because there wasn't a lot of a room, um, wasn't a lot of people who volunteered, but mainly because here's, here's who I If you don't know who I am, here's who I am. I am not a spectator. I'm a participator. That's why my, my wife has pulled my card on playing sports. Because whatever I do, I am aggressive. I might, I'm like dynamite. I'm in a small package, but I'll blow up. <laughs> All on you. And whatever I do, I do. Playing softball. Now, many people have the testimony of breaking their jaw playing softball. I do. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. I just know this. I woke up in, in left center, and there were people standing around me who were on the stands when I went to sleep. I said, this isn't good. <laughs> so my wife pulled my card. She said, no, you're very aggressive. That's enough. No more sports for you. Because I'm not a spectator. I'm a participator. And when I do it, I go after it. So I was thinking, you know, we're at this crusade, and there's a potential for a lot of people to come down. Where do I want to be, sitting and watching or down in the middle of it? I choose in the middle of it. <laughs> that's just who I am, and that's what we did. We signed up. And then as it got into the conference, I'm just being real. As it got closer to the conference, I got, started getting emails. Hey, we're going to have preferred seating for the pastors where you can sit down front. Hmm. I'm all about being on the front row. <laughs> I'm all about being on the front. And I was like, nope. I talked to Donnie, a guy who was one of the coordinator, the coordinator of the pastors, and I said, I called him. I said, look, uh, I appreciate the invitation, but I already have a seat. He said, Really? I mean, he's the one putting it together. I said, yeah, I'm an altar worker. I said, I don't know where my seat is yet, but I know I've got one reserved because I'm going to be sitting among the people, then I'll go down when the people go down. And he said, man, that's awesome. He said, I appreciate that. And I want you to hear my heart. I'm not tooting my horn. There's a reason for this. I'm building, you know, brick building it up. And then, are you on the edge of your seat? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so Friday night, just the Lord to test my heart. Friday night, Ben, I love Ben, hey Ben, Ben texts me, hey man, you at the conference? I said, yeah, you let me save your seat? He said, no, I'm on the front row. <laughs> at first I was like, he's pulling my, la- my leg, and I was like, no, he's probably free. I said, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Sent it back. I said, he said, I'm here on the front row now, so I look up, and I'm in, I'm in the back of the auditorium, Right? But I got a straight seat. I can see the big screen's good. And I look way up at the front. Ben turns around. <laughs> He's on the front row. He said, come down. I said, no, I might lose my seat. <laughs> so he came up to see me because that's just the kind of guy he is. He came up to see me, and I'm thinking, you know, and I look, and I see some other pastors I know down there, and I go, the Lord is good about giving us a, a checkup from the neck up. You know what I mean? He'll see where your head is and where your heart is. And I was like, all right. Thank you. I get to serve. Hallelujah. So we had the altar call. And, uh, man, we had a lot. I mean, there was a thousand altar workers. Thousand. I'm one of a thousand. But in the room, I mean, I, I, so I think only 300, con- not only, 300 converts, not only, forgive me, Lord. 300 people gave their heart to the Lord that Friday night. That's awesome. 300 people came down who were going to hell are now my brother and sister. Three, almost 400 people, I think. And so we've got 
that many counselors in the room and that people are coming in. And it wasn't, it, the first night they said it, it wasn't turn out exactly like they wanted it to. So, you know, people are coming in and you're like, man, do I get to talk to somebody? Am I going to get to talk to somebody? Well, me being the, the one that I am, I just kind of eased around, you know. I was behind people near the back of the room, then I eased around another. And I eased around another, and this guy came up. I said, hey, man, I started talking to this young guy. His name's Connor. And uh, got to talk to Connor and, and minister to Connor. So I went back last night and uh, got there a little earlier, and we went down. They do this debrief. They tell us how it's going to go down and everything. He said, so when the altar call's given, you guys just come to this room. Some are going to go to the altar, and you just come here. And he said, when you go in, just file in the room. And last night, there was over 300 workers in that room. I don't remember exactly how many. It was in the UNO staff. But it was over 300 workers in the room. And we're in a room about three times the size of this one. Not, no, twice the size of this one. And we're around the walls, about twice the size of this. And we're around the walls. And there's like 400 of us. And we're waiting for the people to come in who've given their heart to the Lord. And uh, so we're just standing there. And I was like, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to sit back. Because last night I had the privilege of ministering to somebody. I'm just going to sit back. So I sit back and go all the way back against the wall. And I'm sitting against the wall. And uh, Stephanie's right here beside me. And we're just rejoicing. There's anticipation. They're saying, you know, when people come in, don't stand there like this. Have your hands down. Be excited. And this is so awful. I was wrecked. I was just undone. When people started coming in, there's three or 400 people in this room. And everybody starts cheering. And, the, and it was cool because the, new, the people who just gave their hearts to the Lord, they come in, some of them are like this. <laughs> Others come in, they're just weeping. And some, they're like the kids with their parents. They were pulling their hands, and they were looking, and we were clapping. There was, this was so cool. The best response is this one guy. He came in. Yeah, this is my wife's phone. He had his phone like this. He's walking in. We start cl- clear, uh, cheering. He goes. I mean, how cool is that? When people say, Ben, did you get, when did you get saved? Let me show you. <laughs> did you have 400 people cheering for you when you got saved? <laughs> Maybe you didn't really get saved. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's running all over me. And there's a lady beside me, right before, let me back up, back up just a little bit. A lady beside me from Savannah, Georgia, Jordan, Georgia. <laughs> Savannah, Georgia. I was trying to think of her name while I was talking. That doesn't work. Her name was Judith. She's from Savannah, Georgia. She's standing beside me, and she just looks up. Steph's my witness. She just looks over. She said, I haven't even spoken to the woman. She's talking to the woman on the other side of her. And she looks over, and she said, I just got a download from the Lord. I'm like, awesome. She said, you know, when I was growing up, the, the boys, what they would do is they would take these cherry bombs, and they would throw them in the commode, and they would blow up the, the commodes. I said, yeah, I I remember that. She said, that's what you are. (laughs) A cherry bomb that blows up commodes. She said, that's what the Lord said that you are. He said, you're a firework. You're a cherry bomb. He said, you blow the devil's mess up. She said, I just really, I mean, it was that fast. She turned to me. Isn't that right? I told Stephanie, I looked at her. I said, I'm glad you were here. And then I said that, I said, you're my scribe. Make sure you write down what she said. <laughs> but here's what's even cool about that. I'm not quite finished with that yet. But so she just begins to tell me, this is what the Lord, I mean, she doesn't know who, I mean, I'm seriously, she's talking like this and she just turns around and says, I got a download and starts to give me a word. And after she finished, Stephanie said, you know what? If you hadn't been here serving, you wouldn't have got that word. 
See, my wife asked last week, man, we need people to serve. And people say, well, here's what, and here's, I want to encourage you never, ever go up to somebody, Jonathan or Dawn or anybody uh, to, today, uh, Ash, Ab, Abby, Ab, 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 is in with our toddlers. Don't ever go, man, you missed it. You missed it. They didn't. You know what? Jesus knew. If he knew who I was, where I was in a room of 400 people who were there waiting on new people to come in, if he knew exactly where I was, he could put me right beside someone from Savannah, Georgia, who came up for the crusade, believing for her city, because there's not going to be one there, believing for her city. And we're right there, 20 minutes from our city. And she turns around and, and says, I got a download from the Lord. And here's what he said about you. If I hadn't been serving, I wouldn't have got that word. Yeah, and let me tell you this. Holy Spirit knows where you are. When you're serving, you're not missing it. You're right in the middle of what he's called you to do so that you can be a help to the body of Christ. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. That, that's what my heart is for us. Not that so that everybody will volunteer, that everybody will get plugged into a small group, but that we'll quit doing live, our lives alone. Amen. And we'll start doing it with people and allow people to come into our lives so that we can grow and they can grow. And, and since this has been in my heart, the Lord just continues to show me the word community. The word community and how important community is. That we walk together. And, and I have the definition. I'm not going to get into all that. Next week, we'll talk about community again. How's that? Is that cool? Amen. I hope you like it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. But so here's the other thing. So the rest of that testimony. So Stephanie... Uh, so, I'm in the room, I get this word, and I'm going, man, Lord, that's just awesome. And the people come in, and everybody's cheering, and everybody's cheering, and I'm excited. You know what I'm doing? I'm looking for the one. I'm looking for the one I'm supposed to be with. Because I'm not a spectator, I'm a participator. I'm not just sitting against the wall, well, maybe somebody will come up to me. No, I'm looking for the one. And I look up. And I see Terry and Isaac. And I look at Stephanie. I said, there's my one. I am going for them. And nobody else is going to get them. I'm going to get them. I'm going after them. And I got that. And had the opportunity to congratulate Isaac for giving his heart to the Lord last night. Not just that, but while Stephanie's in the room serving beside me, Samuel's out there with his dad giving his heart to the Lord. Come on. Was our being involved in that crusade worth two young people in our church coming to know the Lord? Absolutely. All the people who came, all the people who volunteered, all the people who, who sacrificed for that to come. In this, in Gibsonville, two young men are born into the kingdom now. There's no price for that. There's that's what an amazing privilege and honor that he's king of their lives. He's Lord of their lives now. Huh? That is just awesome. So, okay, I'm, I'm wrapping this up, my part anyway. So, I, uh, we're sitting there, and I come back upstairs from being uh, down ministering. I come up, and Dad, he came with me Friday and Saturday night. So, I come up, and Dad's gone. I mean, he's there, but he's gone. He's got his hands in the air, and the tears are running down his face. He's just in the salt. He's, he's in the presence of the Lord. He's just there. And so I just slide in beside him. 
And I start worshiping with them. I mean, people are, are getting healed and, and things like that down front. And actually, at that point, he was praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the, for the people. And he said, maybe you're already filled with the Holy Spirit, but you want more. He said, just put your hand. I'm like this. I want more. There's, he said, don't be drunk with wine where there's excess, but be ye being filled. So I said, Lord, I'm all about it. So I put my hands up just like this right here, and they, there, I just got hot. Oh, there you go with those feeling things again. I, I don't live by feelings, but I think, I, God, I have them. And I sense the presence of the Lord on my hands and on my neck as I do. And I'm just standing there, and I'm just in his presence going, Lord, what an awesome, awesome privilege to be here. And then we get, uh, they get through, and it kind of switches. They're starting to give testimony and stuff. And I look at Dad. I said, you ready? He said, yeah. So we, we leave, and I look over. I could see where uh, Stephanie was sitting. She was on the other side of the Coliseum down over here, and Jackie was over here. And uh, I looked, and I saw Stephanie leaving. And I said, all right, well, we'll just go. Well, she wasn't leaving. She was coming because Samuel wanted to share his testimony with me that he had given his heart to the Lord. And I threw up deuces, and I was gone, <laughs> me being the spiritual one. I left. I left. But I'm rambling because Stephanie went. She saw that wasn't there. She was leaving. Guess who she ran into? Judith. The woman who had given me the word, she said, ha. Huh. She said, you remember that, that man that you gave the word to? She said, yes. Yeah. She said, that was my pastor, and he asked me to write it down. But it would be a whole lot better if you wrote it down because God gave it to you. She said, sure, and she wrote it down. That means nothing to you, but it means a lot to me. And that just shows that when we say yes to him, when we say amen to his yes, he'll open doors that no man can shut. I didn't go in that room looking for a prophetic word. I didn't go looking for a prophetic word. But the Lord was looking for me in my serving. And you know what? He's no respecter of persons. He'll do the same for you. When we set our heart and just say, Lord, I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. And that's not just when you go out of here. It's not just if you're working back there. That's if you come every Sunday with that mentality is, Lord, I want to be a participator today. What does that look like? It might be that you're sitting on this side of the room, and the Lord highlights somebody over on that side of the room. He says, I just want you to go encourage them. Here's what I want you to say to them. Because as we were leaving last night, the, he said we were praying for a fresh baptism, and the presence of the Lord was just really strong. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, man, God, I'm full. I need to do something with this. That that's, I'm, this lets you inside my head again. I go to conferences. I go, a few weeks ago, we all went down to the Heidi Baker conference and stuff like that. That Sunday, I had people here who had gone to pray over people who wanted to pray. Because I am not about, I'm going to get it, get it, hold it, hold it, get it, get it, get it. If I get it, I want to be faithful to give it away. Because freely I've received, freely I give. And I've understood this thing enough. I've been in it long enough. No, the more I give away, the more I get. So I'm there, and we pray, and I'm just soaked in his presence because it was just really, really rich. And I look around, and there's a couple behind me that I don't know when they came in during the service. They weren't there once the service started. So I look at them. It's a guy and, the, and his wife. Neither one of them have on wedding rings. And the, the Lord put in my heart that they were a couple. And he said they'd been going through a time of transition, but it was a day of new beginnings. And uh, so I just looked around, and me being the man of faith I am, I said, are y'all a couple? <laughs> they said, yeah, we're married. And I felt like saying, then wear rings. It made my faith go to another level if you just had a ring on. 
<laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke. And they said, yeah, we're a couple. And I shared with them uh, what the Lord had said. And she said, are you a pastor? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you have a card? I said, no, ma'am. <laughs> I did last night, but I don't tonight. Because <laughs> I had them last night because I was going to sit them on the seats to save seats Friday night. And I, Dad was, I said, Dad, you got a card? And he had one of the little invite cards that we have. And he said, yeah, I've got this. So I handed it to him. And they said, thank you. I said, we're in Gibsonville. She said, thank you. I said, you're welcome. And I just thought, Lord, what are you going to do with that? I don't know. But you know what? It was because I was willing to be where he said to be. And just to be that vessel, not to get it right all the time, but to just be a vessel that says, you know what? I'm willing, Lord, to miss it just to be stepping out for you. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray. <clears throat> we're going to pray for the sick because this has been in my heart. It's been... We were going to do this at our last school of spirit, and it didn't work out that way. The Lord had other plans. So I'm going to have Ben come up. But as Ben comes, I'm going to have my mom come up. I got her dad. My dad's standing behind my mom doing this. I'm going to have my mom come up and share a testimony. She, I got rebuked by Karen and um, some others in the church because I didn't announce that my mom was having a catheterization last week. Well, my mom's normally pretty good about telling people what's going on, so I didn't feel... <laughs> I had a need to do that, but she, of all times, decided she was just going to keep it all to herself, and nobody asked if she was doing it. I don't know how they knew to ask, but anyway, mom didn't tell anybody, so Karen texts me, what the world? I'm going to kick you next time I see you. I said, well, I just figured I'd go with her, and everything would be good, so we didn't tell anybody, so Tuesday morning, my mother had a heart catheterization, huh? Tuesday, right? Tuesday. That's okay. You made me wonder. Tuesday morning, mom had to be at the hospital for heart catheterization. We had been uh, praying, just believing God. But she had done uh, a few weeks, about a month prior, she'd gone to the doctor, EKG, looked suspicious. So uh, she went to the hospital. They ran some tests and said, you can go home. Then they said, but we want to do a nuclear stress test. Uh, so they did that, and the doctor said, well, there's a potential. There could be some blockage. We just want to go in and make sure, so we're going to do the catheter. Go ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> First, let me say, um, a few weeks ago, Vicky Sharp and Mark brought his daddy up here, and I've always said Vicky had healing hands. So I went up to her and I said, "Will you just pray for me?" And I was at the time I was having pain, but I didn't think nothing about it. So she laid her hand on there, and she prayed for me. So when I go Tuesday, the doctor says he goes in. Well, he was going in here and he couldn't, so he went in the groin. And um, I mean, I'm I'm in and out, so I don't know whether I'll tell this good or not. But I'll clean up anything you mess <laughs> okay. up. Okay. Anyway, he comes out. This I go at 8:30. And um, they take me in 9:15 and do whatever they're going to do. And um, when he comes out, he has pictures of my heart. One uh, artery was 100% blocked, but God had started a new artery out from that one. And then on the other side, it was 50% blocked, and he's doing the same thing. So my doctor Parishow says, first he says that God done the complete one by doing new arteries 
And then when he, the second thing he said was, when God does something, we don't mess with it. Right. So that was coming from a doctor. Yeah. So he said, he said, we went in and this one was 100% blocked, but God had already done a bypass, so we don't mess with what God does. That's a whole lot better than being cut open and them going in and doing the bypass for you. So, I mean, but the doctor, I was standing in the room when the doctor said, well, here's the picture. It was 100% blocked, but God did a bypass, and here's the new vein. And there's another one over here that you can't see. That was where he did the other one, and we don't mess with what God does. Come on, right? So we want to pray. We want to pray for the sick this morning. We want to pray. I don't, and sick is a, kind of a blank check. It's not, well, I've got this. And if you have a, if anybody who, uh, Josh, and if you guys have a word of knowledge, if anybody here has a word of knowledge about a sickness, uh, then we'll give those words of knowledge. But if not, we just want to pray. So I'm going to let Ben, just whatever the Lord's put in your heart. We're doing, we're doing koinonia. Susan Starr, her son. See Karis. She's on her way to see. Carice, Carice in Baptist Church. So being a great. So let me give you some background of that. Carice is a friend of Eddie and Julie and Sarah and others in the church, uh, and uh, she's had failing health for many years, uh, and has just the family has just been really hard on the family and everything. And Carice was really struggling with anybody coming to pray with her and things like that. But uh, um, Jan Kellogg took one of the teachings from when Susan was here, is that right? And took it to her, and she, it just really awakened her, and she was like, man, I would like to, I'd like for her to come see me. And she hasn't wanted anybody to come see her in that aspect to come pray for. So we want to pray for that, that Susan's on her way there uh, to pray for Carice. So that is awesome. 30. Yeah, and... I don't know all the details. I know that it's been, I mean, it, to the edge of they didn't think she was going to make it. It's that serious. It's not like she got a flu, the flu or anything like that. It's been life-threatening health issues, and especially recently up to the place where they were saying, well, she might not be here at the end of the week. So Susan's on her way there. So we're going to agree together for that. Amen. Um. Real quick, when uh, it was funny that Todd kept saying stuff about uh, not being a spectator but a participator. When I was in the back in worship, the Lord just kept speaking this phrase to me that Christianity is not a spectator sport. You know, and uh, there's not really a Jesus doesn't have a sign up and watch. You know, on the deal, it's follow me and that's it. You know, it's either walk with me or you don't. You know, Americans and humans created the spectator Christianity. We didn't, he didn't make that up. It was either come on, be with me 100%, or you have nothing of me. Remember, that's what he said. <laughs> so, anyways, that phrase was in my heart um, for us. And uh, I, want, I feel like we're going to just do some Christian recreation today. You know, um, Christian recreation, this is basically, you know, uh, destroying the works of the devil, freeing people's lives ministering the, the, the presence of God, and that's what, that's what we're created to be. We're created to, to uh, actually uh, hold the presence of God and, and release Him on the, on the earth, you know. 
the reason why, uh, you know, a lot of people haven't uh, come alive in the church is because they just didn't think there was anything to do. I don't know about you, but if I had to sit in the back the whole time, man, I would be bored. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I, I really, um, I want to say this about, about healing, and sometimes people, I, I know you're probably like, well, you know, we believe in healing, and we, we, um, we agree for it. I want to read a passage, a definition of faith by Jesus. And what we're going to do, we're, people are going to, there's going to be real divine manifestation of miracles in the room today. That's not because I'm on the microphone. That's just because we're, uh, we're agreeing with who God says he is, that he is a miracle worker. He does want to move among us. That's a fact. It's not just something we believe in our minds, but it's something that we live with our lives. You know, that's, that's, that's what it is. So there, he's going to manifest himself, and his, his purpose when we gather together is that he would, he would touch us. And if you, how many of you like being, having a pain or a sickness or anything in your body? Anybody? Anybody love it? Okay. I don't either. So if you don't like it, do you think Jesus likes it? You know, when he came, he, the Bible says that he came to set the captives free, and he came to do it in a full, complete work. The definition, the, the word save, that he came to seek and save those that are lost is the word sozo. That definition actually means that he would save your mind, your spirit, and your body, that you'd be a completely new person. And that's his passion. It's not just that, you know, hey, this, this uh, charismatic group, they just want to see miracles. And so that's not it. We want to agree with God. If God wants to do it, then we want to see it done. And, and there's a big difference between saying that we believe he will do that and doing it. But I want to show you this definition. And it's the biggest thing that hinder, I believe people say, well, why, why isn't Jesus moving in miracles and things like that? Why don't we see these things more? Well, it's not Jesus' fault. What it is is we've created a culture where you can, you can actually pray and declare biblical truth without expecting it to happen. <laughs> That's foolish. So we basically, we'll sing songs, we'll pray prayers, we'll read passages, and literally in our hearts have no expectation that they're going to happen. That's not Jesus. That's not, a, that's, not, that's not the way that he designed it. When he taught about the kingdom of heaven, he would teach and demonstrate. It would go hand in hand. Here it is. This is what the Father's like. Let me show you what he's like. The Father's like this. This is what he wants to do. So, anyways, we're shaping a culture because we're going from believing in our mind or agreeing with the truth to seeing the truth happen. So, anyways, listen to this scripture here in Mark 11. This is, this is Jesus' definition of faith, and it's not just mental agreement. Uh, Jesus, this is uh, the, the apostles. Jesus, you ever hear the story? Jesus walks up to a fig tree. It doesn't have any figs on it, and he says, you'll never bear fruit again, and it dies on the spot. Okay? On the spot, this really happens. Like a tree, me walking out to that tree out there, you will never bear fruit again. And in the sight of his apostles, it dried up, died. The leaves fell off, and it died on the spot by the declared word of God in front of their faces. So then they say, how did that happen? Right? They were interested. I would be interested too. I'm like, hey, how did that happen right there? And uh, it said, uh, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, Check this out. And does not doubt in his heart, 
okay? That's step one. But believes that what he says will actually happen, will come to pass. That's where we miss it at. You can pray all day long. That's great. But do you believe it's actually going to happen that moment, that second? That's the place where we, we have to, our, our battle as believers is to take the truth that we know to be true and say we are going to press in and we're going to believe and pray and believe and pray and believe and pray until we see what we know to be true that actually happens in our lives. That's our job. That's the walk of faith. And it will be done for him. Therefore, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to stand, let's stand up. We're going to, we're not going to just, we're not trying to have a big woo meeting or anything like that. We're going to, we're going to take what we believe, and we're going to see it happen. This is every day. This is every single day. It's not just for miracles. It's if Jesus said he would speak to you, right? That's not just through the Bible. That's one of his primary ones, but he'll actually speak to you as a son. He will lead you. He will guide you that he wants to prosper you. There's all that he wants you to walk in his divine joy. All these things are real, but we, again, we've, we're having to break out of the culture that we've developed. We have developed a participation culture that just listens to truth, but doesn't doesn't fight for it, to, for it to manifest. Does that make sense? Right? And I believe that we're in the midst of a company of people that says, you know what, I'm not going to settle for just knowing that something's available. If, you know, it's like, a, it's like a son. It'd be like if my father worked his entire life and say he bought this enormous farm for me. He worked his whole life, laid down his life, sacrificed, saved, did everything he could. He dies. The, the lawyer hands me the will, and it shows that I got the family farm, came to me, and I, and, I, and I just hang out right in the entranceway of the gate. That's it. I'm just going to hang out right here. <laughs> I'm going to hang out right here. I'm not going to explore the farm that my father paid for completely. That's foolishness. The Bible says that we have an inheritance in Jesus, that we have a full inheritance, everything that he paid for for us, and our job is to press in and explore it. The same way with the, when, when the Israelites went, when the uh, Israelites were given the land of promise, they still had a responsibility to go in, walk in, and obtain what God had promised them. But before they had ever obtained anything, God said, it's yours. They still had to get up and walk into the land. They still had to fight those that were resisting them from having the promise that God had given them. They still had a responsibility. That's why the Bible says that we are co-laborers with them. The Bible is extremely clear. It says simply that the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in our mortal bodies. That's our flesh and blood that you can touch, touch with your hands, okay? He dwells in there. The same spirit that raised him from the dead, the same power, the same presence, right? It's, it's inside of us. This is what, what we're doing now. We are saying we believe this truth. Now we're going to press in to see this truth, okay? That's what we're doing. Second thing is it also said that Jesus gave them authority over all works of the devil. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's, it's physical disease, uh, mental suffering, all these type of things. Those are all from the devil. God did not create them because he doesn't have them. He, it came out of, as an offshoot of sin. It has nothing to do with the Father. He has nothing but a perfect plan for you. But he gave you authority to tell the devil to get out, to leave. 
to get his hands off people's lives and to break the chains. The same, Jesus said, the same way the Father sent me, so I send you. What did the Father do? He anointed Jesus on high from, with the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he gave him authority. He took the keys from the devil, gave him authority to save and set free those that were lost. Right, John, John, uh, First John says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And then he handed you the, the, the same authority, handed you the sword and said, okay, you're up, I'm leaving, I'm going to come live in you, and I want you to do the same thing I did. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to do a quick interview, not a life interview. We don't need to know how big the truck was that ran over you. Just where do you have pain at? Where do you have a problem at? What, what, do, you, what, what do you need to be healed? I want you to tell the person praying for you real quick. Let's do that. Okay, find out, find out, just find out what the person needs prayer for. Real quick, let me get your attention back here before you get too, too far off. Just, you're just looking for a target. You just want to know what to pray, okay? That's it. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do two things. I know this sounds a little practical, but this is, we're just going to go simple. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, come. Then I want you to lay your hands on them, okay? And I want you to command their problem to go and say, in Jesus' name, be healed, okay? Go ahead. Go ahead and do that. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you right now that you live in us, that you're with us. Right now, we declare healing just begin to sweep over this place. Pains, ailments, diseases, everything would begin to fall. That the, the absolute perfect will of God would be manifested here today, Lord Jesus. The people's lives, their bodies would be whole. In Jesus' mighty name right now. Thank you, Lord. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name right now. Thank you, Father. Okay, we're going to do an exercise. Now, have them move around. Check it out. If you had pain... If, there's something, if you can check it out, if it's not an internal thing, check it out. If you need to bend over, move around. Well, see, this is, we're not, again, we're not looking for a hype meeting. I want to know, did, did you genuinely get touched by the power of God? Was that genuine? Has somebody seen a change in the body? Wave your hands if you're seeing something happen. In the back. Praise God. You're feeling the presence of God. And the only reason I'm doing that is I want to encourage you. He's here. He's moving right now. He's, it's as simple as saying, will you manifest yourself like you said you would? You know that song, Come Like You Said You Would? Rave your hand. Who, who's seeing something? Who's seen a change in their body? You guys are feeling something? Praise God. Isn't that neat? Isn't it amazing what just applying our faith will begin to do? Who has something they want to share? They're, they're feeling something significant. Don't be scared. Somebody, who? raise your hand. I'm going to make you come up if you... Come on. Sinus headache. It just le it left right now. Right in the moment of prayer. Nobody, okay, nobody's making her do that. That just left. What happened over here? Anything? Just shout out if something happened. You feel like something was changing the. Praise God. Hip problem. Okay. Thank God. All right. Cool. Steph. 
Yeah. Praise God. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, baby. Yeah. But a real change. That's what matters. That's what matters. Thank you, Lord. Let's do it one more time. If your person didn't get it complete, let's pray one more time. Just saying, Jesus, just gather here. Let's pray one more time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You are a real miracle worker. We look to you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you live in us and you are with us, that you love to heal us. You love to destroy the works of the devil. And right now we declare every work of the enemy in people's bodies must leave. In Jesus' name, we declare that Holy Spirit begin to move in, in, the, in their bodies and bring healing and life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's do one more test here. Jump around, move around a little bit. Who's feeling the change? Who's feel, who else is feeling something? Yeah, praise God. What happened? Pain's disappearing? Yeah, praise God. Okay, all right. Thank you, Lord. Somebody in the back? Eric, what happened? Yeah, yell out. None at all. Completely gone. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you notice that we're just all we're doing is just taking what the word says and saying, you know, we're actually going to do what the word says. Yeah. Isn't that good? That's good. I, I just want to echo one more time off of what uh, Ty was saying. That we're, we're created to, to, to walk with him, not to be spectators. And our church environment sometimes can, because we sit down and we watch a preacher, but that's not, the, that's not what Jesus had for us. It's to walk every day with him, hearing his voice, seeing him manifest, being challenged in risk and things like this where he speaks to us and we, we, we move. All that we're doing is we're exercising our faith, and the only way you can exercise is to exercise. You have to actually move. You actually have to do something. The Spirit of the living God breaking Come and shake these walls with a mighty rushing.